Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. So you know that saying about cheating? If you've never cheated, you've probably been the one who was cheated on. That's what we're talking about all day today on the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour podcast. You can't do as many episodes about relationships as we do here in Cosmoland and not talk about the dark and dirty side of cheating. I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. I've already said that like five times. And today we are talking specifically about cheating in serious relationships, why people do it, what to do if it happens to you. Joining me on the panel is Cosmopolitan.com senior sex and relationships editor and frequent podcast guest, Allie Drucker. Hi, Allie. Hi, Elisa. Are you so excited to talk about cheating? I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite subjects and near and dear to the Cosmo reader's heart. Yes. And what do you, we, cheating is one of those topics on Cosmopolitan.com that is always insanely popular. Every time we write about it, the stories do gangbusters. You know, why, why is that? What kind of questions do you hear from readers? about cheating what are their concerns oh my gosh if they're not cheating themselves they're paranoid it's happening to them they just like they want to know everything about it from like how to tell if a partner is likely to cheat to like what to do if you want to cheat or how to like bounce back from cheating people really really are consumed with the subject and I think that's you know it's a natural human impulse yeah, and I will say one of the things that's always been so interesting to me about cheating is the sort of seriousness oh, of, yeah. you know, and we've talked about this before, there are a million kinds of problems or challenges that couples face in relationships, and there's something specifically about cheating that people really feel like can be a deal breaker. Oh, yeah. People, like, can draw a super hard line, and that kind of has to do with the way you approach monogamy. And I think it doesn't have to be such a hard line in the sand. It doesn't have to be a deal breaker. We recently ran a story about um, women who cheated and don't regret it. And it was all about how it either caused them to reexamine their relationship and kind of build on what wasn't working or how it like made them get out of a relationship that wasn't for them. So people tend to look at cheating as this black and white, no, I'm done, slamming the door on my way out event. But it doesn't have to be a cataclysmic thing that destroys all relationships you can come back from it and I think that's a really good point that people it's so strange in some ways that people draw such this hard line as you said about it because the the sort of definitions of what constitutes cheating are so different and so right individual you know um something that might feel totally inappropriate to you might be totally fine with exactly me. so there's sort of no right or wrong and especially like as we all know and I've talked about a million times sort of the millions of ways that people are now able to cheat on oh their partners, God. you know, whether that means like <laughs> Facebook messaging, somebody. Snapchat pics. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there was just a study out earlier this year that Netflix released about Netflix cheating. Ha ha. That's, you know, <laughs> when you watch your partner show without them. But um, we're all guilty of that. <laughs> we're all guilty of that. Exactly. Um, 
what is your personal feeling on cheating, Allie? Where's your line? My line, okay, and this is kind of like a metaphorical line. My line is like the moment you're doing something you really wouldn't want your partner to know about. Yeah. There's an element there that it's cheating. Yeah. It doesn't have, like, because some, like, it might be a touch, but if you know, like, oh, this is, like, really, like, casual and my partner knows this other person and they wouldn't think it's a problem, that wouldn't be a problem. But for other people, it's like, oh, my God, no, you're, like, having an intimate, like, hug or a kiss on the cheek with another person. That's cheating. Yeah. To me, it's about, like, where you know your partner's line is. Yeah. Yeah. And you you always know. No one really, like, acts. Oh, you know. You like, know. you know it in your gut. Like, I'm really lucky. You know, I went to an event a few weeks ago where it was literally like an erotic dinner party where you ate food off of like half naked models and yeah, like, I read about that on the site I told my boyfriend in advance and there's like literally a photo of me like eating a spring roll off of a guy with like chiseled abs and most people are like oh my god like how can you put up with her doing that like don't you think that's cheating and he's like no like we talked about it it's her job it's fine right so everybody has their different lines right 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 and I think that's a really good point too which goes into the whole idea that we always come back to with any kind of relationship conversation you know communication exactly maybe Maybe if your boyfriend had stumbled across these pictures <laughs> and you hadn't told him right. that you were going to eat sushi or whatever <laughs> off of a chiseled man's chest, it would have been a different conversation. All about context. Yes, exactly. Um, so I think we should jump on the phone with some of our um, cheating friends. What Let's do you think? Let's do it. Ali? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Our first guest is a contributing writer for Huffington Post and Romper, giving honest insight into the reasons they cheated in their past relationship and is here to share a bit of that with us today. Welcome, Margaret Jacobson. Hi, Margaret. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much for calling in today. Um, We're talking all about cheating today on the podcast and sort of specifically about cheating in serious relationships or marriages. So diving right in, give us a little background onto your past relationship. Um, and what happened? Um, so I was married for about eight years. I'm now separated or I guess divorced Mm -hmm. from my ex-husband. And in our eight year relationship, I think that I might, I cheated, not might have about three times. So once at the beginning when we were together for a year, um, and I've been married for a year. And then the second time we had been married for about three years. And then the last time we had been married for, I think, six years. And did you, after Um, these three incidences, did you tell your partner? No. uh, The first time that it happened, the person that I had slept with actually told him And then the second time wasn't really one that we talked about. And then the third time I did tell him, yeah. So in some ways that was an interesting progression there. It sounds like from having something that I guess you were initially trying to keep a secret revealed to deciding to keep it a secret to deciding to own up to it. How did your... I mean, what did you feel after these incidences? Did you feel guilty? Did you feel like this wasn't a big deal? Did you wonder about ending your relationship? Uh, I 
I don't know. It was very much like I felt the guilt of like I'm supposed to be monogamous, but I didn't feel guilty about necessarily wanting to have other relationships or being with other people. Right. And at the time, I didn't know that non-monogamy existed. Right. Everybody's and programmed. And that it was yeah. something that could be successful. And so I think the first time I... I guess I didn't even really take it that seriously. I just thought of it like, this is the thing I did. It doesn't really mean that I don't care about my partner. I'm not, um, you know, my thought process was just very much like, and now we're going to just move on. There's no need for me to talk to him about it. Right. You really separated what happened from your feelings for your husband. Yeah. And I just felt, it just felt really weird for it to be something that was such a big deal to me. Hmm. Um, and it, I wanted to be able to tell him because I told him everything. And so I feel like I was confused as to how I could make that work. Yeah. Um, and then the second time I was going through postpartum depression and we were living in a town that was really lonely for us. And so I think that I think that one was one that I was more like ashamed about and ashamed in the sense ashamed in the sense that you felt like that was really like motivated by I don't know this boredom or these other factors and maybe things that you felt like you should have worked through with your partner or yeah Yeah, because you know before I started going to therapy and found out like I was depressed and before I found out that like <clears throat> I'd had past you know past sexual assault and that that was something that I was also acting out in response to. So and so yeah, that one was different. Yeah, but then you decided not to tell your partner. Yeah, I was like, I don't feel like you know we can talk about it in a productive way. And so I didn't talk to him about it. We talked about it later, like a few years later, but not not right after it happened. Yeah, and was that a decision that you made, you felt like telling him would potentially ruin the relationship? And it sounds like you didn't want that to happen. I think so, and I, um, yeah, I didn't really know what to, what to expect or what to... Yeah, it was hard. I didn't know. I usually felt like I could come up with a bunch of different scenarios. And at the time, I was like, I don't know if any of the scenarios that I'm thinking of can or will, like, turn out fine. Right. Well, I think... I think to that point about not sort of really knowing, you know, I think what you were saying earlier, you know, at the start of this relationship, you sort of felt like the only option out there was monogamy. And I think, you know, Ali was kind of starting to say, I think that, you know, that's a sort of persistent, um, what would you say, a persistent belief? You yeah, know, I think a lot of us grow up. It's like monogamous until found non-monogamous. We're sort of programmed to have yeah. that be our default relational setting when really like monogamy is just not for everyone and it will be profoundly traumatizing to force yourself to try and do that if it's not for you. Yeah. And, and it sounds like 
so I could understand how going through this, you know, being in this relationship with someone that it sounds like in so many ways you were extremely close to and, you know, I'm sure really loved and cared about that sort of figuring out how to reconcile you know, these incidences with that, I could see that being very confusing. Um, did your relationship end because of the cheating or was it not related to that? No, our relationship ended because he wanted monogamy and I found out, you know, I realized over time that I don't have to be monogamous and that non-monogamy is something that works for some people, just like how monogamy works for some people. And that it isn't everyone has to be monogamous and that's the only way to have actual love, you know, and have it be real or true. And do you wish you could go back in time and change any of the things that happened in your relationship with your ex? I wish that we could talk about monogamy in a healthy way yeah. and realize that there were multiple ways to have relationships so I felt like we reached it after there had been a lot of hurt and pain and he tried to be you know non-monogamous with me and he tried really hard but it wasn't something for him and I would never you know we never wanted to force each other to be something that we weren't and right. I think the nice thing is we both arrived at a place of realizing like there's nothing wrong with the other person it's just you know this works for you and this works for me and it sucks when you care about somebody it sucks the way that we had to like learn that but if I feel really lucky you feel really lucky um, that my ex you know, husband was really supportive and really understanding and really gracious. Right. Well, certainly you learned a lot in that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the relationship that I grew up in, you know. Yeah. yeah. If someone confessed to you that they were cheating in their relationship right now, what would you tell them? I would probably, you know, be like, that is surprisingly normal. Yeah. And, you know, talk about, like, a lot of times people say, like, if you're cheating, there's something really wrong and you guys aren't, like, communicating or whatever. While I think that's true, there's also something where I think that we just crave other relationships and other people and that that needs to be able to be, like, a conversation. And we get really scared to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and to admit that we could ever find, you know, other people attractive aside from our partners and I feel like we have to start having those conversations and to say that someone you know is your closest friend and whatnot but you can't talk about how you find other people attractive or interesting or appealing doesn't really I don't know I don't know if that's healthy to act as if that that isn't going to exist for people it is str- just pretend. right mm-hmm. I was going to say it is strange how the people that we're closest to you know sexually are often or can sometimes also be the people that we feel the most nervous to talk about our yeah. sex lives with yeah. it's a little bit ironic well Margaret thank you for sharing your story and you know it certainly takes 
you know, an amount of bravery. But I think you're right. We don't talk about these things enough. So thank you for all the writing that you do and for coming on the podcast to talk with us now. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Let's do it again soon. Okay. (laughs) All right. Bye, Margaret. Thanks. If you're like me, the thought of going into a used clothing store seriously stresses you out. Digging through all the different clothes, shoes, and accessories is just way too overwhelming. There's always a million pieces in whatever size is not your size, and the one thing that isn't your size is like has a weird stain on it. That is why I'm obsessed with ThreadUp. It's the online secondhand store with thousands of designer and brand name clothes and accessories that are always up to 90% off. You can search by brand names like Lululemon, J. Crew, Banana Republic, Anthropology, and more, and then filter by size, color, prize, and style with thousands of new items added every day. It's it's a really great shopping experience. It makes it super easy to zero in and zero in on exactly what you like. Thread up triple inspects each item by hand to ensure all their clothes are like new. Many even still have the tags on. Once you find a great deal and order it, your new items will arrive folded with care in ThreadUp's signature polka dot box. It's super cute. Head over to ThreadUp.com today to save up to 90% off retail on your favorite brands. One of my favorite things about ThreadUp, in addition to like my weird stress I feel of all secondhand and used and vintage stores, um, is that I feel like it's a little bit environmentally friendly. If you're shopping for something that maybe you only want to wear for one time, a special occasion, just another pair of jeans, it's really cool to to be able to have this website that connects you with things in your size um, versus buying everything new all the time. So head over to threadup.com today to save up to 90% off retail on your favorite brands. Plus right now, get an extra 40% off your first order. I'm going to tell you how. Just go to threadup.com Cosmo and enter promo code Cosmo to get extra 40% off your first order. That's threadup.com spelled T-H-R-E-D up.com slash Cosmo. That's an extra 40% off right now at threadup.com slash Cosmo and enter promo code Cosmo. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Our next guest is the author of the article, Why I Cheated on All the Women I Loved for the Good Men Project. Here to share his scandalous story is Cliff Townsend. Hi, Cliff. How are you? Hi. How you doing? Good, good. So you um, you took something that most people are very afraid to talk about and admit to out loud, which is <laughs> cheating, and wrote an entire piece about it. How come? Well, I when I wrote it is because a lot of times people are, you're right, people don't talk about it because they're still there, and that's who they still are, and they're ashamed of it. And I'm no longer there. That's not what the person I am anymore, so I'm no longer ashamed of it. Um, you know, I regret doing it, but I'm no longer, I'm not, I'm not that person anymore. So I'm okay talking about it. It's my past. You've changed your ways. So, but cheating for you wasn't really a one-time thing. This wasn't one mistake you made. And this was something that was a bit of a pattern for a while. How did you feel after you cheated on your partner the first time? Well, it it wasn't even a pattern. It was a way of life. Okay. Um, It was just, it was just who I was. And based on based on my society, my friends, the people hanging around, you know, it was just it was just what we did. And you know, when I cheated on, I cheated on my girlfriends, and I cheated on my wife. I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't feel bad about it. Um, it was just it was just what I did because it was what I was used to. Um, I did feel there was one time in particular when I did feel bad because what it, what it actually ended up doing. My cheating broke up my marriage, and at that time I had my my son, which was my first child, 
And that was something I wanted more than anything else in the world was to have a son. And my wife gave me my first son. And because of my cheating, it broke up our marriage. And that was kind of the turnaround point for me that made me started to look into, you know, look into myself and what I was doing and what it, what it was causing in my life. Sure. So that was kind of the moment where you really realized that this thing that you thought was maybe no big deal or that everyone was doing could actually have real repercussions on your relationship. Yes, and it did have repercussion because now I wasn't, I wasn't there. What I've always wanted to do, I've always, you know, I grew up without a father, and I didn't want that to be my, you know, the same thing for my son. And here I was putting myself and my son in the same situation, um, you know, being in being in a home now without Evan, without him having a father, being there for him, and it was all because I'm, you know, started questioning, was it worth it? Right. You know, was 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 my actions really worth it? Working up my family, not being there for my son. You know, visit, having him visit, and you know, he comes to me, and I eat up to leave, and it's not what I wanted. It's not what I envisioned for my for my son. You know. Right. So, yes. And how did that come to light? Did you end up telling your wife, or was this something that she found out? No, she found out. Um, one of the young ladies that I, you know, that I slept with. Um, not not nothing meaningful. None of them were meaningful. It was, it was just it was just for sex. And however, um, I guess she she wanted more, and she took she found my going to my phone and found my wife's number and she called her and she told her, and so basically that's how she found out she one of mm. these young ladies actually called her and told her I'm sleeping with your husband. And I think Cliff, I think you're a really interesting person to speak to this subject because you. You know, I think one thing that people really worry about if they're dating someone who has cheated or used to be a cheater is that sort of phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, can you reform from this? But it's clear talking to you now that you feel a lot of remorse about doing this, even though it sounds like for the course of several (laughs) relationships, this really wasn't a big deal to you. Um, And I think for you, it took sort of losing you know, losing this relationship with your son, really having your marriage fall apart, and that was a turning point for you. So what is your opinion on that? Can cheaters reform? Or do you think, you know, things almost just hit rock bottom for you when you're a special case? Well, one, one, one of the things that I find interesting is that, especially when I wrote this article and I showed it to female friends, and we have different discussion about different things, and it was funny because a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of female friends will say, no, once a cheater, always a cheater. Mm. And it was just so funny to me. And it's it actually, it's kind of an ignorant statement if you really went because of their, their reasoning. So I would have different conversation and they would feel like someone who's, who's committed murder or, or, you know, thief could turn, could turn their life around. But however, if you cheated, that was it. You, you're done for life. Right. And just so, you're just so stupid that anybody else can change except the person who was a cheater. Right. Like that was the and, one thing know, no one could recover yeah, from. Was, yeah. Was, yeah. One thing that you can never change. You know, you can be a murderer and you can turn your life around. Mm-hmm. So you can't be a cheater. Cheated, right. Once you cheated, that's it. There's no coming back. And it's, it's such a, to me, I, and, I, and I do understand because it's such an emotional thing. However, you know, if you really think about the statement that once a cheater, always a cheater, um, you know, it's not. And I, what I did was I changed. I've changed because I had to work on myself. It's just like anything else. Um, you know, I was I was a cheater, and to become a cheater, I have to do things not to be a cheater. So I worked on myself. I, re- I looked into what do I need to do. And, and what, I is, myself, what does you know, that mean? Did you see a therapist? Did you Like, how did you work through? Because I think that's a phrase, you know, we hear people say a lot is I worked on myself. What did that really mean for you? Well, yes, you're right. A lot of people say they work on themselves, but they just, in their mind, they don't physically do anything. See, what I did was... Um, I looked at myself and I said, you know, I want to be the best clip that I can be. I want to be the best person that I can become. And I don't want to be this person anymore. 
So what I did was I, you know, I started looking into really personal development. I started reading books. I started going to seminars. I started going to training. And I started, I did not see a therapist, um, um, but I did look into all those things. And the other thing I did, which is the most important thing, I changed my friends and I changed my surroundings. Hmm. I stopped doing the things that I was doing. Most importantly, though, I changed my friends because I knew that if I kept on going around with those people, I would have been the odd one out. And human nature wants us to be, we all want to be fit in, we all want to fit in. So I had to change that and I had to change being around because to them it was, they, they continued doing the same thing that we, they were doing. They continued cheating, you know, every weekend it was different things. So that was the most important thing that I did. That was the first thing I did. I said, I don't want to be in this environment. It's not, so I changed my friends and I started working on myself and I really worked on personal development and mostly my emotion intelligence how to control my emotions right. and how to be in control of the things that I did so I really got deep into emotional emotional intelligence part of um, learning about myself so when you say you changed your surroundings what does that mean like were there places that you used to go a lot when you were like yes. on the cheating scene where were those places yes there were there were places there were clubs and just environments that that we would go to it was normal you know and then um, I wouldn't go to one of the things is because of the culture that I grew up in. I grew up in, in a Jamaican culture. I grew up in Jamaica. And, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if you're aware of that culture. However, based on the music and people in the culture, it's, it's this kind of an accepted way, form of living, that men um, have more than one woman. So it's kind of an accepted way of life, not just for the men, but for women also. Women understand that they accept this. And it's, so those are the kind of things I stopped going to um, Jamaican clubs. Well, it sounds and like your wife didn't those. accept it. <laughs> well, no, she did not. <laughs> but however, what I'm saying is, you know, now I'm not saying it's not a broad brush. I'm not saying every Jamaican. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. in sure. general, based on the music, based on what, um, similar to rap music, based on what's portrayed, young men are supposed to be this. Right. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you're supposed to have you're supposed to have more than one girl, and that's how it is. Right. So, you know, it's not only it's not only men that hear the music. Women hear the music too. Right. And certainly you grew up with that. You know, that was your takeaway from the environment was that this was sort of a very accepted thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you feel like in relationships now, have you there been situations, you know, it sounds like you really have made a lot of changes and you really recognize like, okay, you know, maybe going out to a club where, you know, everyone is kind of like. Sexy dancing. I don't know why I just sexy said that was such a mom. I know. How but old you know are we? I know. That was so weird. I don't know why Party I said that. Party dance in but the club all night. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, so even though you're taking yourself out of, you know, maybe recognizing that some of these situations could put you um, in a position where it was just sort of easier to make these kinds of mistakes and you've changed a lot of those things, which is really admirable. You've really made a lot of changes to yourself, Cliff. But do you... Have there been situations where you felt still inclined to cheat now, and or do you? Is it almost like a a book that's closed? No, definitely, definitely. I'm. It's 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 not who I am. I've decided. You know, I've decided on the person I want to be, and not just cheating. It's not like I changed myself to from being a cheater. I decided I want to be the best if I can be, mm-hmm. which includes not being a liar, not being a cheater, not being you know, not being a certain person. So no, it is it is something. If I'm in a if I'm if I'm talking to someone, and I'm not in a serious relationship with them, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go out and talk to other people, I will let them know, so they have a choice. So therefore, the cheating never comes up. If I'm in a relationship and I've been in a serious relationship, I don't cheat. It's not because it's not who I am. Now you know, so mm-hmm. it's not who I am anymore. Do you think it's wrong universally for people to cheat? 
do I do I believe it's one? Do you believe it's wrong for people to cheat? Well, now I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I look at it because you know at that at the time when I was doing it, it was it was it was way of life. It was just I didn't even I, honestly if I if I had to think back, do I even consider you know if someone had to sit me down and say, hey, are you cheating? Maybe I'd have said yes, but you know, did I even consider it to be cheating? I didn't even give it so much, I didn't even give it much thought to be honest with you. Right. I, you know, if I if I'd have thought about it and said, you know, because cheating is wrong, we know, all know that. And you know, as in, as somewhat intelligent individuals, we know that. So, I didn't even think of it as cheating. I didn't think of it as doing anything wrong. It was just it's just what I did. It's just what we did. You well, know. Well, I think I think that's so interesting about your story because you know I think you're right. Like a lot of us would sort of, if someone asks you that question, is cheating wrong? You're probably going to say like, yeah, it's bad, or I wouldn't do that. But then, like, maybe you're making out with some person at a party or whatever. You know, people find themselves in these situations or they've been drinking is something we hear from our readers all the time. <laughs> or, you know, maybe nothing physical even happens, but you're, you know, spending, you know, your happy hours with your coworker are more flirtatious than they should be to the point where you're telling them secrets about your relationship or whatever it may be. So I think my point is, People know it's wrong, but they kind of do it anyway. And, you know, to hear you talk about your friends or your sort of former friends, like, are those guys ever going to realize, like, are they ever going to stop? Like, I'm kind of selfishly wondering, like, what's a girl to do? You know, how do you make sure you end up with somebody who doesn't realize too late that what they're doing is actually wrong? Well, that's, that's, that's a good question you asked. Here's the reason why. And one of the reasons I wrote that article is because I have... Like I said, a lot of female friends who've been in that situation, and I find them, and I find them blaming themselves, as in, what did I do? What could I have done wrong? What could I have done better? What you know? And it, and it, and it, and it, and, and what I wanted them to know is, it's not about, believe it or not, a person that's been cheated on, male or female, it has nothing to do with you. Sure. And as, yeah. As bad as that sound, it has absolutely nothing to do with you because it's the person. And a lot of, a lot of, I, I hear a lot of women get into relationship, and they, the men tell them, well, I'm not going to cheat on you. It's not a matter. It's not a matter about cheating on you because if a person is a cheater, it's only a matter of time. Because when when opportunity presents itself, and whether it might be six months or six years, but they're, they if they are a cheater inside, it, that's going to come out of them. But if they're not a cheater, it doesn't matter what um, opportunity presents itself. So it's not about them. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. That person have to work on them, and it's never about you because if they're a cheater, they're going to be a cheater, with, whether it's with you or with somebody else. Right. Well, Cliff, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I think I think you have a really interesting point of view. And I totally agree with your, what you're saying. You know, this isn't something a lot of people own up to and talk about out loud. But I think you are proof that even the cheaters of the world can reform. <laughs> and it's not just the woman's fault. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye-bye. bye-bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Dr. Ashley Curiel is a clinical psychologist practicing in Beverly Hills, California, recognizing the parallels between improv principles and psychotherapy goals. Dr. Curiel used her background in theater to develop improv therapy, a psychotherapy process group incorporating improv exercises to encourage improved communication, understanding and relationships for participants. Welcome, Dr. Curiel. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. We are talking all about cheating on this episode of the podcast and have been confronting um, a few cheaters. So we're excited to get your um, <laughs> professional take. Exactly. Ali and I have just been like confronting them through the from the gut. But <laughs> um, So I'm sure working with patients who have cheated or who have a partner who cheated is not uncommon for you. But are there sort of common reasons you hear about why that happens? Absolutely. And I think there's a global reason that seems to resonate whenever cheating happens. And that seems to be that there is an unmet need in the relationship and it finds an opportunity to be met outside of the relationship. And the the risk is worth the reward in that instance. If there's unmet needs in the relationship and there's really no opportunity, then cheating might not happen. But if there's an opportunity, then it might progress because of those unmet needs. Well, that, I have to say, feels a little scary to me because in in some level, aren't there, like, isn't a relationship just about a series of Uh, unmet needs? (laughs) I don't mean to sound bleak, but I just mean... the title of my memoir. Right, exactly. I don't actually mean that in a bleak way. I'm such a big believer in love and monogamy, but I just mean it seems like it's you know, we all go through things that we're dealing with. And if you're kind of saying that these things can be like bubbling beneath the surface, and then as soon Mm -hmm. as there's an opportunity that any random good human Mm -hmm. might be prone to cheating, that feels a little scary. Oh, I can definitely understand that. And, and it sounds scary on the surface, but I will say that it's not usually something like, man, you know, he never did the dishes. It's usually something that is fairly profound and, and big that develops over time. And it's that people don't turn to each other to solve the problem. They may give up somewhere along the line. They know there's something terribly wrong. And it's big. It's not something simple. It's probably several problems. And they just snowball over time and then people drift apart and they don't come together to fix the problem. They look outside to fix the problem. So it's a series of steps, although that sounds pretty simplistic and that explanation of unmet need can lead to cheating is a very simplistic way of putting it. um, it, There's usually a lot that builds up to that. And I will hear people comment that this was a long time coming. It wasn't a one time, wow, um, I wanted to have sex last night and you didn't want to. Well, I'm just going somewhere else. It's right. not usually that. It's something that compounds. It's just simply not dealt with over a period of time. Yeah. People like tend to have this notion of it like that it's always as simple as like, oh, he or she couldn't satisfy me sexually. So I went and uh-huh. found someone who could. But really like an unmet need can be something so much more profound than just that, even if it's just like yes. a desire for novelty. Like human beings can naturally mm-hmm. like get stuck in ruts and what you're craving isn't necessarily an orgasm from someone new. It's the someone right. new and the new experience that's so tangilizing. Absolutely, and they even have a theory called intimacy versus passion, and that in the beginning we all know that the passion is high because we're learning so much about that other person, and it's like, oh my gosh, you like that? I like that. And it just, it's like fireworks all the time. Mm -hmm. But over, you know, months, years, you kind of know everything about that other person there is to know, or at least it feels like that. The novelty's gone. There's also a lack of playfulness oftentimes. We get into these patterns. I mean, even know the person's bathroom habits. There's not a lot that's sexy about that. So then as you become 
so intimate with that person, you know them so well, the passion can fizzle. And that can create a motivation to turn outside of the relationship, to find someone new to connect with, to have that passion. Because the theory is that passion and intimacy cannot be maximized at the same time. Hmm. Yeah. So then what, so then what's a girl to do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Great, great question. Um, I really think that finding our playfulness and reconnecting with each other is important. Trying to do something novel, like you had mentioned, try to do something playful that breaks the routine so that you can learn about each other in a different way that you don't already know. You might go do an activity neither one of you has ever done before and see what happens. If you're in a novel situation, you might learn something new and reconnect in a deeper, more organic, new way. Um, And is that where the idea of improv theater comes in? I think so. I I was thinking about this. Definitely there is this element of playfulness. And there are theories out there that say people who are traumatized have lost the ability to play. They've become numb. And with improv, you have no agenda. There is no pattern to repeat. You simply use the principles and you go forward and it's right on the spot, and you play, and the principles of improv are so closely aligned with psychotherapy, and I think in these instances, if you're wanting to connect with a person, improv's great for that. It teaches eye contact and active listening, giving up control, collaborating, that yes and principle, embracing mistakes and using them as positive aspects and playfulness and commitment all of those things could be really great in a relationship that feels a little bit stale and really great in bed like can you think of any (laughs) better rule for role-playing than yes and yeah like hi i'm here to take your temperature yes and and give you a sponge bath (laughs) we have a new game out there (laughs) absolutely Allie is our sex and relationships editor if you can tell um she thinks about this all day long it's true um so One thing that Ali and I were also discussing earlier in the show is this kind of misconception that cheating is a deal breaker. There's a way that people kind of tend to draw a hard line about it. But of course, Mm. it doesn't have to be a deal breaker. And I'm sure that if you see couples who have dealt with cheating, the reason that they are visiting you is because they don't want their relationship to end. Is there a point when it should be a deal breaker? Like, how do you know? That's such a fabulous question. When it's a deal breaker, one thing I would look out for is whether or not trust can be rebuilt. If there's infidelity, there's a broken trust. Mm-hmm. And it I wouldn't say like you have to be able to forgive it and just move on. I think you're going to remember that it happened, but can you rebuild trust? If someone in the relationship, the one who's probably been cheated on, is constantly suspicious and making mean remarks and looking at the other person's phone and they just feel like they can never trust that person again, if they can't get past that and learn to trust, that's going to be very difficult. And it could just lead to a very angry, resentful, hurtful relationship that's destructive. In those instances, that's something to really address. I don't typically tell people, I think you need to get a divorce or you, you need to stay together. I help them to discover that organically. Right. That would be a red flag for me. If they really, you know, no matter what they've tried, simply can't get past it, that might be a time 
to revisit is it important to separate then and just cut the losses and move forward with someone else or on our own and, and let it go. And I have one more specific question to ask about that, which is this is obviously like an insane generalization and obviously what you do is not generalize mm-hmm. at all because you're working with people in their specific scenarios. But is there like what is the right amount of time to give it? Because if you found out that your partner cheated on you and you're heartbroken you know, of course you're going to be mad about that and upset. Like, how much time, you know, like, how long does it take to rebuild that trust? Because that sounds like something that could take a long time, you know? <laughs> it could. Right. It, it, it's so individual. I think just in general, people um, relate to trust and their ability to trust others, whether friendships or relationships, differently. Some people are not very trusting. So I think it depends on a person's individual propensity to trust other people in general mm-hmm. and what actually happened if someone finds out that a spouse has a second family for example mm. that's, that's a biggie much bigger than oops yeah that's going to be a big one that's going to keep on coming back especially if they have other children that you didn't know about things like that right. versus someone who was on a business trip and made a mistake and it was once and that person knows it was only once so there's so many factors to consider i think in general people need to look at the the trajectory of how their healing is progressing if they feel like hey we're working on it things are getting better it's not going to be perfect for sure there are going to be days where people maybe backside or have a moment here and there. That's to be expected with anything. But if they feel like they're moving forward and and gaining ground, that's a good sign. If they feel like they've been working and working and it might be getting worse or they feel, you know, it's just not going anywhere, we're stagnating for a very long time and I don't think I can do it, then that would be a a good sign to reevaluate. Okay, and last question, um, to switch gears completely, we've been mainly over the course of this episode talking about a sort of woman as the victim in this scenario, but mm-hmm. obviously we know working at Cosmo, a lot of our readers cheat as it's well. It's not just men. It's not just men. No. Um, in some ways, I actually think cheating is becoming more common because so many relationships are formed actually before people even meet in person. But if you're, so this is my last question for you is for women who have cheated um, and are maybe feeling conflicted about that. Maybe they love their partner, but they also have cheated on their partner. You know, what advice would you say to women that are sort of grappling? Like, what does this mean? Um, You know, am I ready for a breakup? Like, is it time for this to be over or. Mm. That's a great question. Um, One thing that immediately comes to mind is if the cheating resulted from an internal need or a relational need, sometimes I think what we forget is that the need could be internal. If someone has low self-esteem and they feel validated from another person and that's what makes them feel better Mm -hmm. and then the relationship starts to stall, they might start looking for the next person to make them feel better to fix an internal need and you can't look outside of yourself, even to your spouse or partner, to fix an unmet internal need. And I was reading on your website about a woman who had cheated and felt, my gosh, this is a good thing because I realized I deserved better than my current relationship, which Mm -hmm. sounded pretty bad. Um, If that's the instance and and someone is thinking, hmm, I have this internal need that now I can address, then 
seek psychotherapy for that. Go and discover what was the motivator for the cheating. Was it something internal that if you find that new partner, is it really going to fix it? Because it's, it's coming from inside of you, a feeling of lack of self-worth or something of that nature. Going on to the next person is very unlikely to fix that internal need. But if it's something where it wasn't an internal need, it wasn't necessarily a deal breaker within the relationship, there were other circumstances, and it would be good to explore that with a therapist, with someone who's a professional to decide what to do moving forward. I think that's always important before jumping in and potentially burning a bridge is to understand what happened and why it happened. That will help to inform how to go forward. So I think it's what they sort of always say, you know, cheating isn't the problem, it's the symptom of a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. That the cheating is sort of, it's the aftermath, it's the secondary thing. It's right. usually an indication of something else. Something not deeper. The primary, yeah, something deeper. And it's so important to understand what that something deeper really is to be able to address it organically and head on. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ashley, for sharing your time with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. So, Allie, I feel like today's episode of the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour podcast was a bit of a roller coaster. Like, I, mean, I laughed, I cried. I know. I felt hope and simultaneous doubt for all of humanity and my future relationships. Right, exactly. <laughs> on one hand, like, I felt a little, yeah, a little hopeless. But on the other hand, you know, I think both Margaret and Cliff really came out of their cheating experiences with such a stronger perspective on relationships and Absolutely. what it means to be a good partner and, like, how important it is to talk to your partner about the things you you need in a relationship absolutely and moment of truth have you ever cheated or been cheated on i totally cheated on my college boyfriend <laughs> i never told him and i also didn't feel that bad about it because i feel like i you know it was like college right college doesn't count yeah actually though as i'm saying that now i've never really like admitted that out loud and i now feel <laughs> super guilty about it Ooh. Well, no, every single listener of the Cosmo Happy Hour podcast knows. Right, exactly. But um, that was the only time. What about you? Have you have you ever cheated? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is about as much detail. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that is all you're going to say about I it. I think, like, when I know that I'm really close to ending a relationship, yeah. then it becomes easier. I've cheated before and it was like at the end of a relationship where I knew like this isn't going anywhere. I'm gonna break up with this person anyway so why not? Yeah. I think to be honest that was like flashing all the way back to my college boyfriend. I think that was pretty much the case. Like I basically wanted it to be over. We dated for a million years. Like the thing had run its course. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean right. You know it was like 20 whatever. Like a little baby fetus. Yeah. Totally. It was like ready to play the field. (laughs) I don't think I've ever been cheated on to my knowledge. So that's like mostly how I see it. Like I was at one point like immediately out of college when I was like sort of a little baby fetus, a little bit less. Yeah. And like we were doing casual hookup thing, like no strong definitions, but like kind of heading to a relationship. And I looked at his phone and I saw texts from like two nights before, like when we weren't together 
about him like basically saying that he'd like been at a bar with another girl and like talked about making out. Like right. this was like they were doing a postmortem on their like last night's makeout. Right. And I was like in bed with him like reading this. Oh my god, that's so cringy. I know. And then I went on to date him for even longer because right, of course. young women just have no idea what we're doing most of the time. I feel like we have no idea. I never have any idea what I'm doing ever. But I feel like you should actually do a story on that on that sort of like because. I've definitely been in that situation where I was sort of like with somebody, but it was casual and we explicitly weren't exclusive, but there's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just like weirdly pronounce, I'm like, you got to set the record straight. Yeah. Specifically weren't exclusive. We weren't exclusive, but I, you know, there can be a moment of finding out, even if you know you're not exclusive and even if you guys are pretty honest and open. It still hurts. It still hurts so bad. <laughs> right? Because, like, you initially go to that place of, like, why wasn't I enough for you? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, why am I, like, a little, like, troll beast that you, like, don't care about? Why don't I matter? Why am I not number one? Yes. Uh, but you should write yeah. about this because I feel like that's tricky when it's sort of, like, that feeling of being cheated on, even though it's, like, not necessarily necessarily official and that definitely is becoming more common because oh, I feel yeah. like people are having those kind of relationships if we weren't exclusive why does it still hurt so much yes 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 all right well on that there depressing we go. note <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but Ali thank you as always for coming on and of for all course. your brilliant sex and relationships articles that you put up every day on cosmopolitan.com uh. Um, you guys all know to read everything that Allie's team does every day on the site. But Allie, where is the best place for people to follow you? You can get me on Twitter and Instagram at Allie underscore Drucker. And do you have pictures on your Instagram of you eating um, sushi off of a hot man? I absolutely do. So you guys check out Allie Drucker on Instagram to find those photos. Um, And as always, you guys can follow me everywhere at Elisa Benson. Do you guys want me to spell my name? I think you know, but it's E-L-I-S-A-B-E-N-S-O-N. And thank you, as always, for tuning in to the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour podcast. We are here every week. If there are topics you want to hear us babble on about next (laughs) week hit me up let me know see you guys then bye such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.